Well, hello, everybody. This is the Ask Paizo Anything Pathfinder Edition. Um, first, we're going to get started. Well, for one thing, I want to make clear um, we're going to avoid very specific rules questions. I'll let uh, Jason explain whenever he uh, introduces himself. But I'm here with Jason, Mike, and Avi, and let's get to some introductions, starting with Jason. Well, Adam, why don't you introduce yourself? But uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go okay, first. I will do that. We can come back to you. It's fine. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and do it. It's, I'm yeah, moderating. Go. That's, my, that's my call. No, um, I'm Adam Daigle. I am the director of game development here at Paizo. All right. Now, Jason, go for it. All right. All right. Sorry. I've added chaos already mm -hmm. to the panel. Hi there, everybody. I am Jason Bowman. I'm the director of uh, game design here at Paizo. And uh, about the rules takes, uh, you know, long ago in the history of, of Paizo, in the early days of Pathfinder First Edition, we pr did precisely one panel where we were like, come, bring us your rules questions, and we will puzzle them out for you. And it was, to be quite honest, a disaster. It was slow and dull, and nobody wants to watch us page through books. So we're going to answer questions about the game. I'm happy to talk about, uh, you know, the game of Pathfinder. Uh, and I'm sure folks here are excited to talk about the world of Pathfinder. And we're going to talk about all those sorts of great things. But we're not going to do rules clarifications. It's just it's just no fun for anybody. <laughs> and, and with that, I'll pass it on. Hey, I'm Michael Sayre, a designer here at Paizo. I was the design lead on Guns and Gears most recently. And uh, I'm just looking forward to chatting with everybody today. Hi, I'm Avi Kuhl. I'm senior editor for Pathfinder, and I have done a number of editing, le editing leads on various Pathfinder books, most recently Secrets of Magic and Lost Omens Ancestry Guide and Lost Omens Grand Bazaar. All right, so I'm going to start with a question that we got from the Discord, um, fairly general. Um, it's a two-parter, and I'm going to actually have everyone answer this. I'm going to start with Jason. Who or what is your favorite antagonist? And then a follow-up question, which just kind of makes the first one a little leading, um, is what is your favorite dragon heritage? Oh, boy. Um, well, I, I, I get to go first, so I can either take the easy one or the one that's more personal to me. And and, and I'll say the easy one is, is the Whispering Tyrant because I love him, but I'm going to go with my, my personal one, which is Rasmir. He is... A, a uh, my perfect idea of a villain. He's craven. He's powerful. Uh, he hides behind layers of lackeys and masks that hide uh, folks' true intent. He's he's just he's just a, a a monster in waiting. And I can't wait to look uh you know behind the mask a bit more here sometime in 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 Pathfinder Second Edition. I don't know when that'll be. And uh, as far as dragons go, boy, what kind of dragon is my favorite? I I I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I like them all, but I, I especially like some of the cool abilities we gave them in second edition. So I, I'll go with Black Dragon. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Next. Yeah, Mike. Uh, yeah, so... Okay, uh, I'm actually going to piggyback on Jason here because there is a character who I've had a lot of fun with uh, who intersects with Razmir, which is Narsen, who is not quite an antagonist he's actually a venture captain of the pathfinder society but he's also a very 
interesting figure who uh, I think might want to be the next Razmir, or at least in my headcanon, that's where he is. And so I like characters who you both empathize with, but also really worry about. And I think that's that's why I like that character. Plus, I wrote him, which, you know, like endears him to me particularly uh oh dragons i've always liked white dragons and that is definitely because when i was eight years old i read uh the crystal shard by r.a salvatore and so like my first dungeons and dragons exposure was ingalope cast a the white dragon that you know fought a drow ranger and so ever since then i've just had a thing for white dragons and the fact that i come from alaska where you know it's like snow cold and ice in the appropriate environment probably doesn't hurt that yeah i think my favorite my favorite antagonist in the setting is wakena who is the mummy child god in mazali and there's just so much fun lore around that and we also are exploring him in more detail in uh strength of thousands coming up so uh, yeah, he's pretty fun. His whole cult is interesting. And also the resistance uh, in secret to his rule is interesting as well. So I think he's a great antagonist. Favorite dragon, I'm gonna go with Sovereign Dragons, uh, who are the most powerful of the Imperial Dragons. Um, I'm biased because we got some really freaking cool art in Bestiary 3 um for these dragons and i also love the way that they cycle through the elements that mechanic is super cool so and they're they're just kind of the most majestic dragons out there in my opinion so all right um if i were to answer this i'm gonna go with actually something incredibly general for antagonists i'm gonna pick a a type instead of a specific person um i like humans as enemies um I've made jokes before that humans are my favorite race to or ancestry to play and also my favorite enemy. Um, and as far as dragon goes, I'm going to have to go with blue dragon because I really like the whole scheming nature of them a whole lot. All right. So I'm going to roll through for some other questions. Also, uh, Mike, Avi, and Jason, if y'all see anything in the chat and want to just pick that up, let me know because I'm just trying to keep up with finding questions because I'm I'm bouncing between the Discord and the uh, Twitch. So while you're doing that, I'll I'll pick one up from this and uh, and toss it around and and I think Mike can probably speak to this. Is aside from firearms, will we ever get more historical niche or underappreciated weapons or armor, such as the Pavi shield, or will we, will we have to simulate those with other weapons somehow? Um, there was another bit there at the end, but that that's kind of unrelated. I'll I'll stick yeah. to that. Yeah, there will almost certainly be new historic weapons introduced into this game. Uh, probably not too far in the future, though probably not tomorrow. Uh, you know, there are definitely a lot more weapons and armors and things that we have cool ideas for and that we want to, you know, bring into the game. One thing that I've been, you know, talking about that I would really like to see on the armor front uh, is, you know, being from Alaska, Clinkets uh, uh, historically had this very cool kind of wood slat splint armor. And, you know, that's something I would like to see mechanically represented in the game. So I have a strong suspicion that we will... Uh, we will be making that happen at some point. Yeah, I think it's always a little tricky when we add, uh, when we look at adding new new armors in particular. Uh, that's always a big puzzle for the design team, actually, because we have to try and figure it out, 
figure out how to set it in with all the other armors and there's only so many numbers to play with where it's like well we don't give out armor bonuses bigger than about this and dex bonuses bigger than about this so eh, that's about all we got <laughs> so it's hard sometimes to figure out how to make new ones but adam i'll toss it back to you <laughs> all righty um question says will we be getting large-sized ancestries anywhere in the near future specifically any chance for centaurs boy I gosh hope so. i hope so <laughs> <laughs> i uh i i you know for my own part uh you know I, I one of the things that's really fantastic that i think has just been absolutely awesome about second edition is just how the the rule books and how the lost omens have both been working to expand the rules and the things you get to use at your table um you know, we we've been you know doing doing our best to get uh, you know new classes out there and new ancestries and new backgrounds and new spells and new feats and new archetypes and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, Lost Omens will come out and just just blow me away with some some absolutely amazing stuff. Uh, you know, uh, the the ancestry guide is filled with so much fun stuff. I had a, I had a blast playing with uh, some characters built out of there uh, for the Secrets of Magic Magic panel. So. I mean, we're we're certainly interested in doing it. Avi, Avi, are you 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 pushing for more in the Lost Omens line? Oh, I am one hundred percent pro centaur, and I love sneaking. Uh, like ancestors, the idea of sneaking in like an ancestry just kind of peppered into Lost Omens books is really fun. Uh, it's I'm not sure if we're ever going to get another book exactly like Lost Omens Ancestry Guide because the design lift on that was so heavy and it's only one designer who works on the Lost Omens books. That's Mark Seifter. So it's a bit of an enormous lift for one person to do that much rules content. But I do quite like the idea of throwing in fun, uncommon ancestries such as centaurs in those books. So I am very much pro. All right, so Kitsune Warlock is asking, what were the tactical function of trenches used in the furrows in the Ustalov? Anti-cavalry, anti-siege weapons, were there cannons or guns in Ustalov way back then? I feel like I should know this, and I don't, so I this is kind of like this might be a test for all of us to see if we actually have an answer. Um, let me let me just say that I love the fact that that that's a question that could be posed to us. That it could be like, let's talk about the tactical advantages of trench warfare in the Battle of Forty Seven Fourteen and the Whispering Tyrants Rebirth. And I'm like, that is a legitimate question, and I have no idea what the answer is. But all of you are yeah, so no. clever and so smart for thinking about it. I don't know what to do. <laughs> My head has been out of Ustalov and Carrion Crown for far too long, so I don't. I it's like I know I should know this. Um, all right. Well, we tried. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, there is never a bad time to have cover or leave difficult terrain behind you in the event that you need to flee. Yeah. Yeah. That's I true. Mean, I mean, I mean, you, you could literally answer that in the historical sense of like, what was the value of trenches? Well, it prevented you from being shot, uh, you know, or, <laughs> with arrow, or being run over by a horse. So I mean, the wager is pretty similar, but there might be a weird fantasy addition to it that was like, yeah, they sent oozes after us and they just fell in the trenches and couldn't get out. <laughs> I don't That's know. my headcanon. <laughs> All right. This is kind of rules adjacent, but I think it's, it's uh, honest enough. Um, are there any changes planned for the witch in a future errata? 
Well, off the top of my head, uh, I know that we uh, put an incorrect statement in the class opening sidebar uh, where we misstated where the witch gets their spells. So <laughs> that will be fixed, but that is not a content change. That's just a oops. Literally, as soon as that book shipped to the printer, I started building a witch. And first thing I did was find that error and was like, Oh, why? <laughs> Always happens just when it's too late, you find something. Yep. I think that does speak to our general policy about, you know, updates and clarifications on our books. And I think, you know, whenever we release things, um, there, there's always going to be some things that slip through the cracks. Uh, I, I honestly firmly believe that we have the best developers and the best editors in the business. But nobody's perfect. And, uh, you know, we always find some things that are like, oh, that's not that's not perfect. Uh, you know, oh, that rule could use some tweaking after after further consideration and after people got a chance to play with it. It's not quite what we wanted it to do. It's not creating the game space we wanted to create. So I, you know, I think we have a pretty, pretty straightforward policy on this and that, you know, we kind of evaluate these things and take them piece by piece. And as we see things that are problems and notice things that need some clarification and correction, we move to fix them. And that starts, you know, with kind of the team that was responsible for kind of doing the lion's share of the work on the book. And, you know, then it gets passed around the department and we talk about it and, you know, we ask folks to say, hey, is this is this new version better? Is it is it worse? Does it need some some additional corrections? And then ultimately we find a way to get that information out to all of you. Now, the most common way for us to do that is to put it in a new printing of the book and release it as a rata. But I think in the, in the you know, we're also looking at some ways to kind of get some of that information out public that doesn't rely on us reprinting the book because, you know, sometimes a book doesn't get a reprint for several years, um, if at all. So, uh, you know, that means that we, we need to find a better way to kind of get some of that information out to you. So in regards to which, is there more changes coming? Probably. Um, can I point to anyone in specific other than the one that Avi just mentioned? No. <laughs> All right, this is going to be another one for everybody to answer. Um, is there any particular Galarian nation that you particularly love or a favorite real-world real world culture that you were able to take inspiration from and feature in world? We're going to go in order on my screen, starting with Jason. Um, I just like boy, putting you I on the spot. Me right again. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, so... You know, in the very early days of the campaign, uh, way back in 07, 08, uh, back when things were first coming together, everybody kind of took some, you know, we encouraged all of the staff to kind of take dibs on various nations and be like, we want you to be the subject matter expert on this. And um, and once that was kind of done, there were still a whole bunch of nations left over that we needed to write for and do things with. And and I love Rasmoran, but, but one of the things that I enjoy playing with the most is uh, Nirmathas, actually. Um, is the nation is just, it's one of those places where it's a bunch of small communities that pull together and try and work together, but there's no overarching giant government. There's no king. It's mostly just a council and it's people trying to live their best lives in the forest. And it's a, you know, the spirit of, you know, you know, individual communities pulling together and doing their own thing. And that's why I set, you know, Crypt of the Everflame is set in Northern Nirmathos. And I wrote a absolutely gigantic home campaign set in Nirmathos. And, you know, I keep going back there because it's a place that uh, speaks to me and the type of stories that I like to tell. 
uh, about people, you know, leaving their tiny towns behind and growing and becoming adventurers and heroes and leaders in their own right. And it's a great place to kind of have that happen because it's kind of, it's a little frontier. It's not, and, and, and frankly, not a lot has been written about it in, in Paizo's history. There, there was, you know, a, a, a Iron Fang invasion certainly had a lot to do with it. But, but other than that, it hasn't really been touched on too much other than an adventure or two. All right, Mike. Yeah, so it's it's really hard, right? Because literally the day of the week that you ask me this question, my my answer might change. You know, might not be the same. Um, I've gotten to work on certain sections of the world that uh, I've really really enjoyed. Um, you know, I've gotten to do a lot of work in the lands of the Linorm Kings, uh, starting from when we were sitting in a meeting and we were like, well, what do we call the meta region that includes the lands of the Linorm Kings? And I threw out the Saga lands. And I think I was like the third suggestion and the first one that we were like, yeah, that works. And then it stayed. So that's that was kind of my first little footprint into this uh, this new world. Uh, and I got a lot more opportunities to play there. We did some fun adventures in the lands of the Linorm Kings uh, during my time in uh, Pathfinder Society as the uh, lead developer uh, for the, the Pathfinder line over there. Um, we, I got a, really, got a great opportunity from Eleanor and Luis when I got to write up about the uh, Varky Linorm King Nanku who's up there. And uh, I've you know really been looking forward to opportunities to use him in stories and just see people getting excited about him being there. Um, I've also done a lot of stuff with the crown of the world. You know, like, like I said, I could keep going and anybody who knows me also knows I love monks, which means I love Jalmeray. <laughs> I really like Galarian. It's so hard for me to pick a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Avi. Yeah, so I was going to say Lands of the Linorm Kings as well. <laughs> uh, it's just so cool. This this whole culture around slaying a beast that will curse you when you kill it, and that being what gives you the throne is just fascinating because you'd think that slaying one of those is probably not a good idea. And yet this entire culture is built around that. So I love that. I love White Estrid as a character. I think that she is so interesting and cool. But since we've already said uh, Lands of the Linorm Kings, I will say that I really enjoy Arcadia. Um, I've had the pleasure to play in a, um, a campaign run by Luis Loza, which is actually on the No Direction Network called Valiant. And it is set in Arcadia. And it's a lot of homebrew about the setting, but just the, the flavor of it is so much fun with this ancient empire that has very high magic, but is... Um, just left kind of remnants uh, of that magic throughout the world. And um, it's, yeah, it's been, it's been a real pleasure to be able to play in that world. And I can't wait till we get more Arcadia stuff in our actual books, which uh, will happen, I'm sure. So something that I'm looking forward to a lot is getting to spend more time there, hopefully in the Lost Omens line, that would make me so happy. All right, this one should be pretty easy. Um, will Blood Magic be in the new Dark Archives book? You would think that would be easy, right? <laughs> like, like you would just assume that we could answer that question right now. 
and uh, Dagle, you, 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 you fell into a trap, Dagle. They're trying to get us to answer that and have been for like a year. <laughs> oh, I know. I just wanted, I just wanted to see y'all's faces. Um, I, 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 I feel like uh, that moment in Jurassic Park where he sees one raptor, but you didn't see the other two coming from the side. <laughs> <laughs> All so right. no comment. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 an answer. Um, trying to find one that's not rulesy enough. Oh well. Ha. Okay, this one's just funny. I've got to ask it. Um, if you start with a mummy ancestry and you catch fire and everything but your bones burn, can you continue playing as a skeleton? <laughs> I like the way I you think. Zero, yeah. <laughs> I see zero I reason why yes. not. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I, I don't think it's a rule that we put in the book, but I do think it makes sense to me that if you start out playing a zombie or a mummy and you you just get dunked in flesh eating acid and you're left with nothing but your bones, you should totally be able to just swap ancestry down to skeleton and be like <laughs> Listen, I've had a rough week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one. Um, hi, guys. Do you have any plans to release Samurai and Ninja as full classes? And is there any chance we'll see some Tian Sha material as archetypes, ancestry, and versatile heritages? Um, I can answer that second one. I feel like we've already done some manner of Tian Sha material in some of the Lost Omens books, correct? We've done a small amount. Like we've done some uh, Tian Sha flavored ancestries like Tengu and Kitsune. Um, right. There will definitely be more Tian Sha character options. Like I'm not going to tell you what book they're in or because who knows exactly what book they'll be in. But yes, there's enough public demand that you can assume you'll be seeing that at some point. People definitely yeah, have been enough asking. On, yeah, and there's enough people on staff that are totally in love with Tian Sha and want to do more with mm -hmm. it. So chances are, you know, there's nothing exactly on a calendar right now, but chances are you're going to get some more material down the road. Now, Bowman and Mike, do you want to handle the first part of that question? Samurai um, and Ninja as full I, classes? I, so so even in first edition the samurai and the ninja were tricky kind of customers for us um they they weren't it, it it's a it's a very fine line distinction but they weren't full ordinary classes they were they were alt versions of the the cavalier and the rogue and once you took levels in them you couldn't take levels in the other because we didn't want you double dipping on the abilities i honestly think that the tech of our game makes it so that if we wanted to do like a ninja, right, and and introduce more kind of traditional or mythological or anime-inspired ninja abilities um, to the game. We could do that now without necessarily having to reinvent the wheel. We could add a ninja racket, uh, as someone suggested in chat. We could add a bunch of feats that, that work specifically with that racket, and it would work, right? That, that would play out well. Um, that said, I don't know if that's the right answer, right? I, I think one of the things that I'm always challenging uh, the design team with is that whenever we want to bring something new 
or, or something existing back into the game, that we look at it with fresh eyes, that we don't just assume that the answer from first edition was the correct answer, uh, that we kind of canvass the staff, that we talk to folks in the department about what they think about it, and, and kind of just feel out whether or not it needs a different kind of interpretation or, you know, and in some cases evaluate whether or not our previous interpretation had some problems, right? You know, some of, some of the things that we, we did in first edition, I, I wouldn't do today. Um, so I, I think it's, it's a complicated problem. And I think we all look at concepts like samurai and ninja and are like, those are cool, and they are definitely archetypes that people want to be able to play. But finding a way to, to kind of bring them to everyone that is um, both respectful to the culture that they're from and also is fun and meets the, the goals of our game uh, can take some time. So we, we have to look for the right place and the right time, and and I just don't think we've found it yet. But I wouldn't rule it out because they are they are pretty pretty awesome. <laughs> And that actually kind of uh, answers the next question down that um, was like, I'm sure specifics are something are, aren't something you can talk about, but can you generally talk about how you decide if a class might return as a full class, <clears throat> a class path or an archetype? And I that you just kind of spoke to that and kind of, you killed two questions with one answer. I, I'm old hat at this. I don't know. I <laughs> All right, this one yeah. is one that I think I can answer. Um, it says, we've seen a lot of the Ashen Man and Tigressin the Laughing Fiend as characters in the background of adventures and APs. Are there any plans for these characters? Um, this is not a satisfying answer, but I know that James certainly has plans for the Ashen Man, and I know that we couldn't pay Amber Stewart to not talk about the Laughing Fiend. So... Um, yeah, definitely something on the Ashen Man. Not sure about the Laughing Fiend, but um, nothing on the schedule right now except for the schedule that lives inside James's brain. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um... Anything you could say about the new Hero Point deck? Anything would do as it is still not in sight for a release date. Is that still kind of up in the air? Uh, we, uh, Mike, we shipped out the, that to the printer, right? Didn't we? I, I could have sworn that's gone. <laughs> yeah, I was having that trouble remembering. Sounds right. <laughs> I. Uh, I don't know. We're in a pandemic. I can't remember what happened three months ago at this point. Uh, I, I think so. <laughs> um, I, I, I can I, tell you about I, any I, product I directly worked on or was consulted on and then maybe like three others. And, and this is not one of those three. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think it's important to note um, that we did kind of pull uh, back a little bit on expansions that we knew their primary function was having a whole bunch of people sit around the table together. Um, there just wasn't a good reason for us to be like, yeah, let's put out that game where you reach into a bag and pass the bag around and breathe on each other. I mean, we, we just didn't think that was a good idea. And I, I, I know it sounds like I'm making light and I really don't want to be because it's, it's, it's deadly serious, but 
like that did influence our decisions. And, yeah. uh, you know, so something like a, a deck of cards that, you know, you have to have at the table and it's only really useful if you're playing at a table. Yeah, we kind of held up on that. Um, but that said, I remember doing the work on it. So, and I remember it leaving the department. So I think it's done and right. off to the printer and we're just waiting to get it back. Um, so as, as to speaking as to what the deck is, it's, it's basically a deck of cards that has a cool effect on it. And you can either use the card as a hero point as normal, or you can use it as the effect. And that's, that's it. That's all it really kind of is. And it's just a fun way to kind of give you kind of some fun, different ways to use, uh, you know, your hero points. So, um, that's it. I, it may be held up in the shipping nightmare that everyone in the industry is going through right now. I, I'm not 100% sure. I'd have to look at some schedules and I can't dig those up right now. I can confirm that it did exist and did go to the printer because I <laughs> edited it. Um, oh, I will be honest. I do not remember the specifics of what the different hero points did. I wish I could. I wish I could answer your question more helpfully, but it is amazing how quickly information leaves our brains about products when we're no longer working on them. Just the enormous volume of books that we do means that like, I could have been working on something three weeks ago and you could ask me a question about it and I wouldn't know the answer. Like sometimes that's how it feels that it's just as soon as you finish something, you have to make room in your brain for the next thing. And the thing you just finished just like goes flying out of your head. <laughs> that's how I feel yeah. about the hero point deck. It was cool yeah, though. I do remember enjoying it. To, to attest to Avi's statement about stuff going in and out of our heads, Avi reached out to me just the other day. It was like, hey, I was editing that adventure you wrote. This is really cool. And I was like, that's right. I wrote an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I wrote the, 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 the Hero Point deck, I think. And, and literally, that's how bad my memory is on this, is that I think I wrote it. And I don't, I don't really remember. <laughs> I remember enjoying it. <laughs> All right, next one down. Do any of you think Darklands is underutilized and needs some love as well? Needs some love as well sooner or later. Um, I'm going to jump first on this and then let everyone throw in if they want. Um, yeah, in the times when we have like big brainstorms of what books we're going to put on the schedule and stuff like that, um, I've, I and other people have thrown out the idea of like, a big Darklands hardcover, and I think that would be super fun. Um, yet it's not on the schedule yet, but I will keep pushing for something like that because I it, Darklands get utilized here and there, but it's usually only like a little short foray into it. I'd love to see something that like takes place completely underground and, and all of that, like the entire thing. So anyway, that's my answer. Uh, anyone else on the panel have any other thoughts? Avi. Yeah, uh, we. if you haven't played Abomination Vaults yet, it is definitely a Darklands adjacent adventure. So I would check that out. Like there is a really interesting drow settlement in Abomination Vaults that I just loved. I believe that's in the second volume, um, but I wouldn't, uh, I don't know if that's 100% for sure true, but I believe so. And yeah, it's a, I'm not going to spoil what the sediment sell, uh, what the settlement is like, but it is unlike any other drow settlement that I have read before. So uh, if you haven't played Abomination Vaults yet, definitely get on that if you're interested in that kind of material. 
Yeah. I um I thought the question about whether we thought the Darklands was underutilized was interesting because that that's something that I kind of keyed in on in that we talk about Drow, we talk about Dwerger. Like when we think of the Darklands, there's kind of three to five checkboxes. I want like 20 to 30 checkboxes if we're going to do this thing. You know, I want to get in there. I want to get the obvious stuff, but I also want to get deep and I want to get weird. And I want to make sure that whenever we do it, we do it when we've got the time to really figure out what the best way to do that is. Love weird. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think for my, my part looking at the Darklands, I think there's a lot of fun adventures to be had, you know, in that kind of setting. I, I think we have to do a lot of long, hard looks at, at what the Darklands is and what it says about our world and what some of the ancestries and people that live down there and how they are honestly treated and viewed. And some of it definitely needs a lot harder looks and some, some serious work. So I, I think, and, and that's, as, that's as generous as I can say it. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I think it's something I'd love to do, but I, I think it's going to take a lot of work. It's a, it's a lot of effort. It's, it's pretty tricky. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, I was just scrolling through and I see, uh, did old mage Yatembe and Baba Yaga ever date, which I know they're going off that illustration from, uh, was that legends? And, um, <clears throat> yes, that's unless in legends. all having heated discussions over tea dating, um, no, not in any romantic sense, but they hang out every now and then. Heated discussions over tea does kind of sound like potentially a good date, though, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think if they wanted to make it work, they absolutely could. <laughs> Um, I've got one. Any more love for Red Mantis assassins besides the one mentioned in yesterday's panel? I'm assuming yesterday's the reference to yesterday's panel is the adventure, and I. So if it was the, if it that's not what you're talking about, then there is a uh, digital one shot that will be coming out not too far from now. Um, that is Red Mantis, totally Red Mantis assassin related. Um, but other than that, I don't think we have anything on the schedule. Yeah, I, I don't think I I don't think there's anything else either. But I actually yeah. somehow didn't know about the Red Mantis adventure uh, out of the loop about that one. And that sounds awesome. I yeah, was Thirsty's. talking to Thirsty when he was creating the pregens for it. And he was like, hey, how do I make this character? And I was like, okay, so you need this feat and you want to do this thing here and definitely make sure they've got this. I I'm quite excited about it, but it's somebody else's story to tell more details than that about. So... <laughs> Hmm. All right. Um, will the inventor gunslinger have pregen characters created along those lines? Why did the summoner and Magus not have any created? I'm assuming that you're asking about that for org play. Um, and I think the most direct answer is time. That is why they do not have them yet. <laughs> yeah. I Mike, mean, I, I don't want to speak for OP and... I don't want to speak for OP, but I know they like to have pregens of all of our classes. Um, yep. But yeah, it comes down to time and resources, right? You know, you got adventures to put out and stuff. So um, I, I don't want to speak for them, but I, I, I can't help but assume that they're they're planning on doing them. I just don't know when. And maybe maybe they're not. And, and I'm speaking off the cuff. And 
I will get um, an angry email. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> what did you just sign us up for? Yeah, 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 sorry. <laughs> so this is kind of a tag along question for the previous Darklands thing. Speaking of Darklands, any word on Drow and other Darklands ancestries coming back to second edition? Seems like a major piece missing from first edition. I think Jason actually answered this question a little bit earlier when he noted that there were a lot of things that we wanted to make sure we, if we're going to do them, we do them right and we take a good long hard look at how to present them and how to frame them and how to make sure that we're not just spitting out material for the sake of spitting out material. We're, we're putting things out there that we feel good about, that we know we've put all of the necessary thought and effort into to do the correct way and in the proper context. And so that's not just something we're going to throw randomly into a book. That's something we're going to think hard about and find the right place and the right time uh, if, if we're going to tackle it. Yeah, somebody somebody mentioned it in chat that like uh, Cobalt Town was was interesting in in the Band of Bravo stream that I did. I I, I specifically set it down in the Darklands and spent uh, like a, a lot of time seriously trying to figure out a better way to present the various peoples and and ancestries, and that include the Drow, right? Um, uh, you know, but it's 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 tough. It's it's a lot of work, and um, it's 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 worthwhile. But um, I just don't know that we're there yet. So. There's definitely interest, I think, inside the company to do this. And then there's also some, like, there's there's some back and forth. Uh, everyone has different feelings about how, if we do tackle this, what we would do, if we should tackle it at all. Uh, I, I think it would be interesting to tackle and to uh, really do that work. That's the kind of work that I am excited about doing. But... Uh, yeah, as everyone's saying, we don't have that. We don't have that on the schedule yet. But I think that it would be interesting to tackle, and I, uh, I think it would be cool if we have the chance to do so. Absolutely. All right. There's a couple of questions. There, there's some people that are in talking about the Inquisitor class, and um, and I think one answer will answer both of these questions. We said, uh, will we see the Inquisitor class at some point, or do you feel they're covered by the Thaumaturge and the current cleric? I think that is a difficult question to answer when the Thaumaturge hasn't even gone into playtest yet. Because right. as, <laughs> as many members of my team have said before, when we do a playtest, it is really a playtest. It is not a preview. We are open to change. We often put in mechanics that we want to explore. Sometimes things we hope will stay in the class and sometimes things where we're like, I don't know, this could be really good. This could be a dumb idea. Like, let's find out from the community because none of us can say for sure. And so that is a question that is very hard to answer when one of the major components of the question is very much still a work in progress. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i, I mean see... go ahead jason uh yeah i, th I think just you know play testing for us is always kind of an interesting thing and and i i think you know in, in the past there have been times where it's like yeah we really do throw things out that we think are experimental that we're like i'm not sure if people are gonna buy this uh, let's try 
Um, and your feedback and your thoughts on it really do help guide our directions and our decisions. Because ultimately, we want you all to enjoy these games and have fun with them. And if we're not making things in the way that you find fun and enjoyable, well, then, you know, what are we doing? It's not it's not about what I necessarily want to see in a game. I mean, you know, I am a voice among many, but but ultimately the fans and the people playing this game have to get what they want to see out of these things. So, you know, our play tests are legit. They're honest. They're open. And we, you know, I, I always prepare folks to say, hey, you know, your, your, precious, your precious children that you have put out in the world are going to go out there and they're going to come back with some bloody noses and we're going to have to figure out how to fix yeah. that and make it better. And, uh, you know, get ready for it. So... Um, I'm I'm always excited whenever I see a a, a playtest upcoming and and how this works into the previous question you know is is an ongoing ongoing discussion. I think that the thaumaturg just from from what I have read and that was just doing approvals on the playtest document earlier this week. Um, I think the flavor for the thaumaturg is really different than the kind of flavor that one would expect from an inquisitor. Um, but I could totally see like an archetype inquisitor archetype that could slap onto a cleric perhaps people love themselves through inquisitor from first edition yeah i mean Good job, uh, us six years ago <laughs> <laughs> it's more like it's more like 10 now actually <laughs> oh, no. not to make you feel old but it was it was more like 10 <laughs> <laughs> Um, here's a question that's going to have a quick but unsatisfying answer. Um, will Paizo Infinity allow VTT packages? Um, my first answer would be get in touch with Mark Moreland. Um, that sounds like way too, um, niche of, a, of an answer that I do not, or, and I do not know enough about Infinity. Um, if anyone else here does, you can jump in, but I think Moreland is the best person to ask. All right. Yeah, I don't, I <laughs> I read a bunch of that, and I, I don't want to speak off the cuff. No, never mind. I, yeah. I, I have half knowledge that I'm not sure is verified, so I, I probably shouldn't say anything. But yeah, yeah, that's it. I'm not sure. Yeah. And of if course, anybody else has better is... knowledge, I'm, I'm open, but I, I don't. And of course, since this is a uh, Q and A that Jason is on the panel for, um, when do we get the coming. Dino Fort spell? No, oh, I knew it. I knew you were going to ask it. I knew I knew you were going to fall victim to their tricks. This is the second this is the second velociraptor coming to get you, Daigle. The third one's waiting to feast on your guts. Uh -oh. Um no, uh uh I think uh <laughs> Dinosaur Fort. Next we're going to be talking about Eye of Robes. Uh Dinosaur Fort is still a, a thing that, you know, I I still want to sneak into a book, but I need to be able to do like a jokey april fool's book I, I don't know i don't know i i it is it is such a ludicrous i'm not gonna lie we wrote it up at one point in time it exists it's in a cut file somewhere and uh and we just haven't been able to justify putting it anywhere because it's like 10th level and it's ridiculous it summons like dinosaurs that march around on patrol or something i don't i don't even like at one point in time we're like wait is the fort made of dinosaurs or is it on a dinosaur or i i there was a bunch of different ways we could go. We got like four versions of it, and and I just don't know. I don't know where we're gonna put it. I, I maybe 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 it should be its own case file in Dark Archive. We'll talk to James Case about it and see if we can slip it in as the the mysterious dinosaur fort case. I don't. I don't know. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. To I say. have to say, I have to say, 
Eye of Robes did make it into an upcoming book. Oh, no. So keep it. <laughs> I, I hate to be the one to break the news, uh, except I don't really hate it. So uh, keep your eyes eyes peeled for uh, oh. the Eye of Robes in an upcoming book. It, it's not under that name, but um, <laughs> it, we did sneak it in there. Dinosaur Fort, when I was first um, a contractor working on second edition, uh, the, the rule book, uh, uh, the core rule book, uh, I didn't know any of the context of the inside joke behind Dinosaur Fort, and I was editing the spells and came across this, and I'm like, what? This is so <laughs> bonkers, and I love it so much, and I had no idea that it was basically a meme. And then when I look at the spells again and see that it was gone, I was so sad. R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. to Dinosaur Fort, the spell that uh, never lived, but it almost did. Uh... <laughs> All right, here's another favorites question. Um, what's your favorite archetype and why? And we're going to go down the line. I'm actually just torturing y'all with these. Um, I actually really, really dislike favorite questions because like, like Mike was saying earlier, it's like, depending on the day of when you ask me, I, it very well could change. Um, yeah. So Jason, do you have a favorite? Like, archetype? I don't, I, I mean, I, I don't know that I have a favorite archetype. For me, they're so situational based on the campaign that you're trying to run. I, I love the way that archetypes work in second edition, that you can be like, all right, everybody, we're going to have a full pirate crew. Everybody's playing a pirate, so everybody gets the pirate archetype for free. And now we're all pirates, and you're the pirate sorcerer, and you're the pirate fighter, and you're the pirate, you know, cleric. Um, so for me, it's it's all about what's right for, for the campaign and the world and kind of the flexibility that it gives you to tell the stories you want to tell. So I, I don't know that I actually have a, a favorite one. I, I suppose I could dig deeper and come up with something, but I, I'm, I'm going to pass it along and see if I can think of something. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um... Yeah, that is that is hard. I'm gonna I am going to go with uh, the shadow caster because that is the archetype I wrote that was published most recently, <laughs> and and well, and because it was so fun when I was working on it because I remember the milestones so clearly. I had done some work on the APG, and then I had talked to Mark afterwards, and Mark was like, you know. Mike, you did some really interesting stuff here, but this is the APG, and you maybe just went a little too wahoo with it. And so then I was working on the Shadowcaster, and I was like, all right, you remember your APG feedback. Keep that in mind. Keep it clean. Keep it straightforward. And I sent in my milestone, and Mark was like, so here's the thing, Mike. I knew when I assigned this to you that I had assigned it to Mike Sayre and I wanted you to go a little more wahoo than this. So, <laughs> so please, whatever restraints you put on yourself during the first half of this assignment, please remove them while you finish this. <laughs> um, that's amazing. For me, I'm going to say weapon improviser uh, because that's like, there's nothing over the top uh you know, like physics defying uh, ridiculousness about it, but it's it's a very kind of mundane level ridiculous that I'm just, you know, you can imagine uh, just being very fun in low magic campaigns, bar brawls, just uh, breaking chairs over your knee and, and flinging chair legs at people. Like what more could you ask for? So yeah, weapon improviser. 
All right. I'm not going to lie. I'm just looking at files from uh, Book of the Dead to see if there's any spoiler I can throw out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So should we move on to another player? That's pretty cool. Are we going to hold Jason to picking something? No, no, no. I I was just looking at the Undead Slayer. It's awesome. But I won't say anymore because I'm I'm just going to I'm just going to get people (laughs) for digging through files that I haven't even that haven't even gone through edit yet. (laughs) (laughs) Hold up. No promises that anything that hasn't gone through edit is actually going in the book. (laughs) But I mean, it probably is. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm just causing mischief now. I I really shouldn't be. That's always fun. (laughs) Continue. All right, so will there be a Siege-type subsystems in future AP once Guns and Gears comes out? Um, I know very few of you work on APs. Avi edits them, but... Yeah, I I mean, as far as the APs we have coming up in the immediate future, it's not thematically relevant. Um, Mm -hmm. As far as I know, uh, thinking about the next two Pathfinder APs. So, uh, but I believe there might be relevant content in Kingmaker. Um, uh, So that I think is where you're going to want to look for siege stuff don't like um don't quote me on that 100 because i haven't been working on kingmaker too much uh myself we've had to do some division of labor to keep people going on kingmaker while the rest of us keep the other books afloat so um i'm not as well versed in it but i believe i believe okay now i'm feeling the fear but i believe that there is going to be siege material in there yeah one thing uh to note uh, with guns and gears is that all of the siege engines we put in there don't actually require a subsystem. They plug directly into the three action economy uh, that everybody else uses when they play the game. Like they, they go right into that. So the, 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 the question and then the conclusion, you know, the with guns and gears, will it be in an AP? These are actually two completely separate buckets, right? They One does not necessarily inform the other because there may be a situation where an AP really does need a good siege system uh, to make a scene move at a certain pacing or whatever. And that may or may not actually use the base siege engines from Guns and Gears. It really depends on what the adventure calls for. I, I will say that the, the Siege Engine rules, I, I after going through uh, and taking my pass on Guns and Gears when it was making its way out the door, um, the Siege Engine rules in, impress the hell out of me. They're they're so much fun. They're so well put together. They're they're evocative and in how you like, oh, I'm going to spend this many actions to load and we need somebody to spend some actions to, to aim and then we're going to fire. And it, it because you have to spend so much to make it happen, it allows the the rules to to be like, yeah, you don't want to get hit by a catapult. That's that's real bad. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, if you are a third level and you get hit by a catapult, you're going to have a bad day. <laughs> it's, 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 it's bad news. Now, the catapult has trouble aiming at you because you're a person. But, you know, uh, I, it, it, the, the rules for it are really evocative. They're, they're, the, they're the sort of thing I love about second edition that the actions and the way that they play out make your turn by default kind of narrative, right? You know, oh, I'm going to do this, and then my next action is going to be this, and my next action is going to be that. And catapults fit into that great. You know, ballistas fit into that great, right? You know, I I don't think you can sneak attack with a ballista, but I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) 
Don't give anyone you any can ideas. at least with a backpack ballista. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yes. It pops up off your back, doesn't it? Yeah. Sure wrong. It does. Yeah. yeah, there's some great art that is in the Gears deck, which is of this, you know, medieval looking backpack with this ballista that pops up out of like a mechanism in the yeah. back. It, it turns you <laughs> into favorite. a medieval predator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. My favorite thing about Guns and Gears, this is tangential, but my favorite thing about Guns and Gears is that um, we chose some options and really Mike chose some options that are completely ludicrous, but they don't come from a place of ignorance. Like, Mike, you know a lot about guns, and we did a lot of, uh, like, on the writer's end and the de designer's end, they did a lot of research on historical weapons and, you know, which ones work and which ones actually were not really good ideas. And, you know, collectively as, as, a, as a creative team, we made the decision to not care about what works in the real world. <laughs> and Ballista Backpack is a great example of that. Sometimes you just got to let the fun win, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, you, I, not everything has to be like, well, I don't really see how that would work. <laughs> it's, it's, come on. I we got, I, we got I had some, dragons. We can have a backpack catapult. <laughs> I had some great moments writing guns and gears where I would be in an introduction where I would be like, in the real world, black powder moved in this way, and we saw these certain ovations and firearms happened. Meanwhile, in Galarian, the world blew up and a god fell from the sky, and some dwarves got a hold of black powder that had been <laughs> transferred across Vudra from over here. And also, sometimes they have clockwork reloaders. Like, there's just this, there's this thread that I ran throughout so many of the introductions of this, where it starts with a, if you know something about guns, you might know this. Here's why that does not apply to this thing over here. <laughs> I love that approach because that makes it a fantasy book, right? You know, this is not a war game. This is a fantasy game. And it's important to, to me at least, in terms of our philosophy for a second edition, to really lean into that fantasy in a way that can be played. It So those uh, classes that would otherwise maybe be a bit more grounded in reality can have the same level of fantasy as a wizard. So Adam, we've we've been asked to make sure we wrap it here at five two, which it is right now. Oh, so okay. <laughs> All right, unless there's well, something that requires one word answers, we should probably we should probably call it good. I just want to ask you this ridiculous one: um, When will you get proper Battle Goat Village into an AP or a one shot? Is Battle Goat <laughs> something related to you, Jason? Yes, yes, you? it's another okay. dumb thing from one of my streams. They they were in a village where everyone developed magic powers and two goat herders were using their magic powers to make their goats fight each other over the one scrap <laughs> of land. And one of them awakened a bunch of their goats and had awakened battle goats. Uh, oh so God. And they went rampaging through the town and for the entire rest of the stream, me and the cast would scream, battle goats! So, okay. uh, yeah. I'm going to find a way to squeeze those into something else in the future. We, we have not seen the end of Battle Goats. I just don't know <laughs> where they'll pop up next. Maybe I'll do a standalone Battle Goat board game. How about that? <laughs> I, yeah. I just have to note, my favorite thing about this panel was that 
Adam knew someone here was responsible for battle goats, but was not actually sure who that could be. And, and I can't think of many groups where you could put them together and not know which person was responsible for battle goats. Yeah, could be anyone. Could be anyone. That's, that's a perfect note to, to wrap things. So, yeah. Thanks, right, everyone. So I want to thank everyone for showing up. Um, and also thank my fellow colleagues and friends and panelists up here, giving answers as best we can. Um, so yeah, once again, thank you all so much. And we'll be in the Discord answering further questions. Thanks, everybody. Yes. Thank you. Bye.